0: Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. This week, Michael Campbell records with Gary Krauss, who is the director of Adventist Mission, which oversees global mission centers, church planting, and mission promotion around the globe for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right. welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast, and I am with Gary Krause, who is the organizer of uh, the Sabbath School lesson that's coming up, focused on mission. Welcome, Gary, to this episode.
1: Thanks, Michael. Good to be here.
0: And Gary comes to us from Amethyst Mission, where he's the director, uh, where he focuses with the whole team, looking strategically at how the mission of the World Church, and we have a number of missionaries that currently are serving around the world. There are mission study, these global study centers. And so tell us a little bit, I mean, for those that might not be familiar, they know there's a general conference or whatever, or maybe they've seen you know some of the mission stories that appear in the sabbath school lesson but tell us a nutshell gary why adventist mission matters Give, give us that elevator moment
1: okay thanks well adventist mission is kind of like an umbrella term that cares for two things one is global mission which is church planting in unentered areas and the other area is mission awareness and so Church planning is important because that's how the Adventist Church began to grow. That's the only way it's continued to grow, and it's the only way we will continue into the future to grow. And so Global Mission helps us refocus away from just maintenance, caring for what we already have, our institutions, the good things that we're doing, which we need to keep doing, Cast that vision a little bit further to unreached people groups. And at the moment, Michael, we're actually going through what we call a mission refocus initiative here. And we're concentrating on what we call three mission windows. And the first one is 1040 window, which stretches from Northwest Africa through the Middle East into Asia. That's where the majority of the world's population lives. The fewest Christians, the fewest Seventh-day Adventists. The second window is the urban window. That is when most of the world's population now lives, and welcome to our new mission field. And the third window is the growing secular and post-Christian populations. And we see that, of course, in Western Europe, Australia, where I come from, increasingly North America. But we're seeing it in cities across the world as well. So Global Mission is all about finding ways for us to more effectively build bridges and start new groups of believers among those people groups.
0: Now, just a little bit of, of personal background, because I, I know that you're passionate about this and you come with a background as an as editor. I know at Signs, if people are listening to this, they're probably thinking, hmm, I think this guy might be from Down Under, right? So tell us just a little bit more of that personal background and, and how you became passionate about Adventist mission.
1: Sure. Well... My background is I was born in Fiji to missionary parents from Australia and then lived in New Zealand and in Australia. My passion was always communication. I loved to write. I can remember as a little kid writing to the editor of the uh, Australasian Record, they called it. Did you this. really? Yeah. I wrote I to wrote him, handwritten letter, basically asking him, how can I have your job when I get older?
0: <laughs> no, what, what, what... Holy boldness here,
1: huh? <laughs> With bold, I'm not sure how holy it was. But okay. Anyway, Bob Parr, who was the editor, wrote back like a very gracious email to a little kid. And basically, he told me his advice would be to go to Avondale and do teaching, which would give me a good all-round background to, to it and move on. Well, I didn't actually get his job, but I did work as an associate editor at at uh, Science Publishing Company for some time. so. My background was communication, so I did, you know, I did a master's, a master's in journalism, and I wrote as much as I could, and that was. And I, I wanted to be an academic; I wanted to teach at university, but I kind of got sidetracked. I went to Science Publishing Company as an editor, then I went to the Adventist Media Center in Sydney and I worked there as creative director for several years. Then one day I got a call from the general conference to come here as communication director for Global Mission. And that's how it all started, the communication background. And I guess as I became communication director for Global Mission, I became more involved in it. And this is where I am today.
0: Very cool. So tell us, why should we care about this upcoming quarterly? You know, I, I can't remember a quarterly that was focused on mission. Tell us, give us a in a nutshell why why the World Church should care about this upcoming quarter quarterly should
1: care, should care about it because it's wonderful I mean, this this is a this is a unique lesson in more than way one way yeah. because first of all, you kindly called me the organizer I was just one of the people involved in it, but basically mm-hmm. we had all of our six global mission centers involved in writing this this quarter's lessons, and these centers. They were first envisaged back when Global Mission first began, there was a a document called the Global Strategy of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and this Global Strategy document said, we need to start up centers that will help us better understand people who come from different worldviews to us. Because when you look at the growth of the Adventist Church, as you well know, Michael, the majority of Adventists have come from either other Christian denominations or from animists, and The huge people groups, the other major world religions, have Mm -hmm. been touched by the Adventist church. And so we have six centers, one for Mm -hmm. reaching out to our brothers and sisters in the Islamic faith, another one for East Asian religions, Buddhist, Mm -hmm. South Asian religions, mainly Hindus. We have have a World Jewish Adventist Friendship Center based in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. We have a center for urban mission it's not it's not a religious group but it's an important people group and then we have another center for the secular and post-christian people again strictly not a religion but a growing demographic so these center directors they combine experience practical experience in the field reaching these people groups combined with academic rigor so they've studied this um you know most right. of them are D misses or PhDs or whatever. So, but we used to call them religious study centers, but we've taken away the word study, not because we don't believe in study and research. That's very important, yeah. but for people to realize that these are practical centers giving us practical methods and models for reaching people. So, these are the people who have written the lessons. So, as you can imagine, you will find that these lessons will have solid theological underpinnings, but Perhaps even more importantly, there's a very strong practical application to every lesson. And you'll notice notice every Thursday, there is something that has been added called challenge and challenge up. And there's Mm -hmm. a challenge each week to each one of us who reads our lesson to say, well, this week, you are going to pray for a list of people by name who are not believers. This week, you're going to do this or that or whatnot. So it translates what you're learning from God's word into how am I now going to pl- apply this in my life? And that alone, I think, is a feature that makes this quarter well worthwhile because as we fellowship together in our classes, okay. we share stories of what happened last week, what happened with yeah. whatever. So,
0: well, very interesting. And you, of course, you did write the accompanying book that goes with it, right? Yeah. I mean, there
1: Not we go. I shamelessly self promote, but there it is. <laughs> well, it's a resource. It's a
0: resource, theory, <laughs> Right, and so, and by the way, if you're listening in, I like uh, most of Pacific Press materials that you can find that through your Amethyst Book Center on Amazon. I believe they have it on Kindle. So there's a variety of different ways that people can access both the lesson and the accompanying study guidebook that that goes with it.
1: I just well, noticed, I just noticed something. Sorry to interrupt. Because I was looking at the title on the book, God's Mission, mm-hmm. My Mission, and I don't have a mm-hmm. copy yet of the, of the actual lessons, but mm-hmm. I that the, the heading is different on the lessons, and I don't really like it, because on the design on the cover of the lessons, it's got God's mission, my mission, and my mission is in much bigger letters, and now I can understand the thinking that went behind it, because we want to make sure we're involved, but our mission is just part of God's bigger mission. And so I think it's important for us to realize that this quarter, that this isn't all about us. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's in terms of where his disciples, we we, we want to be involved in mission, but it's all about God's mission and how he's invited us to participate with him in his mission, which is much bigger than we could even imagine.
0: I love it. I love it. So was there any, Background to choosing that title, or did that title just naturally pop up when when you started this project? Ha, tell us about how this got started.
1: Yeah, so so when we were first contacted about it at that time, the director of our global mission centers was Homer Tricartan, And many people will know uh-huh. Homer. He was president of the Middle East North Africa Union. He's worked here in Adventist Mission in various places. Sure. And He got together the center directors, and they they brainstormed, they prayed, they thought about it. They thought, you know, how can we make sure these lessons make a difference this quarter? Mm -hmm. And I I just saw that there was a this is a a, a partnership. It's a partnership between us and God. We're we're linking in his mission with our mission. I think that's how the title came around.
0: Interesting. There's not too many lessons that have been done like that with a group of people that I can think of. I know there was one on education some years ago, but that, that's pretty neat to have that kind of collaboration uh, going on behind the scenes to to make something like this happen. So w- what do you hope that will be like a takeaway? Give us a sneak peek or preview of what what's in store for us this quarter.
1: So I, I hope the takeaway is that the Sabbath school groups that meet every Sabbath become more than a place where we're just intellectualizing and thinking about, I mean, this is all important. I don't want to downplay it, but it's more than just looking again at Bible verses we've looked at a hundred times, but it's actually taking the time to pray over them and say, How is this going to translate into my life this week? How is this Mm. going to affect us as a Sabbath school group? How is this going to affect us as a as a local church? Right so it's going to be kind of like an Aha uh-huh moment for for people studying the the lessons that we are going to not just discuss ideas, we're going to talk about how to put it into practice, and I think that's very important. And I I love the heading. I don't know whether Cliff Goldstein put it in or or whoever, but at the introduction it's got "Quit talking and start doing something." Quit talking. So we want
0: that's fabulous.
1: Yeah. So we want it to. Just not, I mean, talking is important, discussion is important, learning is important, but do something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the important part.
0: I love it. I love it. But it seems to me that a lot of, you know, and I'm speaking now more as a my pastoral experience, you know, it's easy for us to get distracted, you know, in, in the proverbial, you know, the church that gets, has a church fight over the, the color of the carpet or whatever it might be, you know, it's it's easy for us to get. It seems that a lot of times those are really, you know, symptoms of, of congregations where, you know, maybe we've lost sight of that mission. And so it, it, I, I would take this quarterly maybe as an invitation to kind of refocus and take stock both as individuals and as church congregations, those that are listening and studying this upcoming quarterly to say, hey, how can we become missional Participate It's God's mission ultimately, but how can we become more mission focused in alignment with God's mission for us? Is is, is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, Michael, as you look at the statistics, as giving has increased to the local church, giving to mission offerings has gone down. So you see the giving to the local church increasing, giving to the mission offerings going down. And I remember some years ago, I was in a local church, a member of a local church, and yeah. came to the business meeting and the treasurer's report came. And I looked down line item after line item after line item, and it was, you know, all good things, you know, air conditioning, cleaning of the church, lessons for the children, et cetera, et cetera. But it just, I had this, sort of like this epiphany, this where, where I looked at it and I thought, Wow, we're spending most of the resort our money on ourselves, on our, mm. on our. And I believe in nurture. I believe in, and that's very important. But it can't be at the expense of, of supporting ministry and service in the community and the wider mission field. And I think we have we have to have this balance between caring for the local church. And I know here in North America, for example, it's very expensive to run a local church. But we need to of course. We need to, first of all, care for our church member. Well, not we need to make sure it's a priority to nurture and disciple new believers. Sure. Particularly, we need to care for our local community. But we are members of a worldwide denomination, and we've yeah. been blessed so much here. We can't lose sight of the needs around the world as well. So it's not either or; it's all combined. And yeah, it's it's very easy to get caught up in maintenance because we're doing good, good things we want to keep them going but maintenance at the cost of mission is going to sabotage our, our lives as, as christians
0: yeah that's that's one of, I, that's a that's a point that i i think we have to come back to is that this all is part of a, a a wider and i think you know what i'm hearing you say you know it's easy to focus on ourselves and forget that we're part of a bigger story bigger bigger mission that's going on and and you know we live in a world that focuses a lot on you know our individual attention but to realize hey you know there are other parts of the world that may not hear and have not had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And so we can play a role in helping to share that story. So sounds like it's an invitation to focus less on ourselves and more Mm -hmm. about others.
1: Sure. And I think too some of the some of the dominant discourse of, of our the culture in which we live is mm-hmm. creeping to the church as well, and so you know missionaries, do we still need missionaries? You know, God will sort them out. They're happy the way they are. Who are we to come and inflict our culture on them? All these sorts of things, I think have they've had some impact on our church, to where we perhaps don't put as high a priority on it as, as we used to. I mean when I was a kid. I remember sitting in camp meeting in the front row of the of the tent, listening to return missionaries telling stories of and I was just on the edge of my seat, but I'm not sure how often our kids get that opportunity today. And I I hear very sad stories of missionaries who come back to the homelands and they don't get any invitations to speak at local churches because there seems to be a, a malaise or a lack of interest in it. So I think we need to relook at our priorities and we need to remember that the reason we are here is not just to have a social club of people who believe the same way, but we're actually called here to make a difference for Jesus in this world. And that involves personal involvement, it, it, may, it involves prayer, and it also involves supporting mission with our finances.
0: By the way, let's let's talk about that for a minute. You know, there there may be somebody listening and saying, you know what, you know what, I I haven't put anything in the offering plate at Sabbath School or for a mission offering. How does one support those wider mission projects of the church? You know, you know how how can someone reading this lesson say, you know what, I I'd like to be more involved, Gary. Help me become a part of that, helping to support that that mission, so we can reverse that sort of trend right
1: yeah so of course the traditional way is in the sabbath school class when the offering plate comes around and you put in some money for the mission offering and some of us have been putting in a dollar for the last 35 years yeah and maybe two
0: dollars now for inflation
1: right and Uh, when that comes around too you know and i've been in churches where that comes around and you have to be very careful because sometimes they've designated it for some here or project there, you're not really sure. So the the best way is to either mark it very clearly on your tithe envelope, or if you're giving online, then there is a place there. Sabbath school mission offerings, or in America, you can give to World Budget, which is pretty well very very close to being straight Sabbath School mission offerings. It also helps and support some of the other ministries here in North America. That it's called World Budget, or you can go to the Adventist. Adventist Mission website, AdventistMission.org. And right there, you can choose mission offerings and you can give directly online.
0: So quite a wide variety. And I think a lot of our listeners in a, in a North American context, we've got the Adventist Giving app. So there's yes. a number of different things. So just look for that global, the the global mission there. And you can just, that world church that helps to support the those mission endeavors that you've been describing here for us.
1: Yeah. And the thing is too, Michael, today there's never been there's never been more mission enterprises that you can give to. I mean, within the Adventist Church, we have official denominational mission efforts and we have supporting sure. ministry doing many different things. So all sorts of good things. And of course, we're all attracted to projects. So it's very attractive to be able to give two hundred dollars and you know exactly what church that helped build or what leper colony that went to or whatnot. But without the mission offerings, all these projects would not be supported. And so I I liken the mission offerings to being like a life-giving mission river that flows around the world, providing nourishment and support for all these different projects. And if you don't have that river, it's not as glamorous because I can't put a cup of water out of that river and say, this is exactly where your $10 went to. It went into the general pot, but it's that general river that that life-giving river that helps sustain mission around the world, and it, and it's in danger. That mission offering because it's been going down as project giving goes up.
0: Wow, so this this is compelling because if as, as you study the quarterly this this coming quarter, and we see the biblical and theological aspects of of mission, which I'm really excited that we can delve into this right to to talk about how vital mission is to our Adventist identity, right? But but that also means there's a, a tangible responsibility each of us has, you know, both, you know, whether it's waking up and saying, hey, there's there's friends and neighbors and just around me that maybe God's calling me to mission, but also in terms of a stewardship that that each of us is called to help support that work of 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 the world church. And so this this is is Absolutely essential to the future of Adventism, if I'm hearing you right, Gary.
1: Yep, exactly. I think so. I think we need to rekindle that 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 spirit within us that we're not just here for ourselves; we're mm-hmm. here for mission, and that's that's been the lifeblood of the Adventist Church. I mean, yeah, right. If, if we lose that, we we lose our identity.
0: Mm. Interesting. Well, you're talking about. Amethyst Mission refocusing, you know. Tell me where you see Amethyst Mission going into the future. What, what's some of your passion and and vision with with your team that you have there? Where do you see Amethyst Mission changing? You you you're kind of alluding to some of the needs increasing, right? So, tantalize us a little bit of ways that by supporting, what are some of the possibilities that that you envision and hope and dream? What, what has got placed in your heart?
1: Yeah, so we actually have a, an online, what we call a mission priority system that we're building at the moment, which helps us get a little bit of a better handle on where the Adventist church is currently strong, where it's weaker. It helps us look at different people groups in different places. And so it helps us align our resources to the need. And so every year we give several million dollars out to various parts of the world to help church planting efforts, and also what we call urban centers of influence, which are uh, ministry centers to put Christ's method of ministry into practice. And so going into the future, we see that we're going to increasingly put more and more finance into high-priority areas. So we're going to be funding more church planting, more urban centers of influence in those areas of the world where the church is not strong. And I think that's exciting because it's it's pioneer work. It's going into. I mean, remember, Paul was quite proud of the fact that he was preaching in places where the gospel hadn't yet been. And I think this is this is the focus of global mission. That you know we've we've, we've ignored the cities. I mean, Ellen White said a hundred years ago, as you well know, that we have we have ignored the cities. I, I'm scared of what she would say today, but now. We are going to be putting more of our resources into urban areas. We're going to be putting more of our resources into 1040 window. We're going to put more into the secular and post-Christian populations. And I think that you know we're still using the general framework of Christ's method of ministry. Everything we do has to be within that framework of mingling with people, showing sympathy, ministering to needs, winning confidence, bidding people to follow Jesus, planting groups of believers we have a very holistic approach. So everything we do and every project has to show to us how they're going to put Christ's method and ministry into practice. But within that broader framework, we want to support innovation. We want to support fresh ideas, new ways of doing it. And, you know, people talk to me about, you know, the hundreds of church plants around the world and not all of them are successful. Well, I I debate that because even if a church plant doesn't get off the ground, so to speak. We learn valuable lessons, and so those valuable lessons help us next time to be more effective in what we're doing. And so I, I look at I look at our centre directors, for example, and I see the passion that they have for reaching these people groups. And I see, for example, the centre for post, post for secular and post Christian mission. They're they're doing cohorts of with young church planters in Europe, and Europe now is a mission field, of course. And so they're they're helping a new generation of young pastors catch this vision for reaching, not just other Christians, but reaching people who are beyond that, who who wouldn't know what a Bible looked like, and that's the sort of mission that excites me.
0: We may have one of our listeners that may may tune into this and then say, you know, I, I hear talking about a, a center of influence. That's a new term for me. Can, could you give us just a, a favorite example that that maybe happens to come to mind?
1: Yeah, sure. So so let me just back up a little bit. Yeah. Centers of influence is a, a term that mm-hmm. Ellen White used a lot. And mm-hmm. she used it for different things. She used it for cities. She said they were centers of influence. She said that people were centers of influence. She said Jesus was a center of influence. She said Satan was a center for influence. But she had this idea of ministry centers that would be planted in cities that would be platforms for connecting with the community. So I can think of one country that I won't name publicly for political reasons, but yeah. they started more than a hundred small centers. They were basically health health food, health food stores right in the middle of busy communities and cities across their country. And they were just an excuse to be able to, well, first of all, to be able to minister to people's health needs, but also to make connections with people, to mingle with people. And so they have, I mean, last report I had, there were more than 200 people who had been baptized through these centers. And so that, that's one that really appeals to me. Another one is that that started in Copenhagen in, in Denmark. It's called uh-huh. Happy Hand. And this wasn't an initiative from our office. I mean, every center of influence that we fund is not something we dream up from our office. We, It's something that comes from the local field. And so a laywoman by the name of Barrett had this idea of starting a, a second hand store, a thrift store. And she called it Happy Hand. And Happy Hand is located on a busy thoroughfare in Copenhagen. Uh, It's just across from the cemetery where Soren Kierkegaard and Hans Christian Andersen are buried. And every day, thousands of people go past. But it appeals to poorer people because it's secondhand, so things are cheaper. But it also appeals to middle and upper class people because they believe in recycling for the environment. So it attracts a, a wide demographic. And so they come in, but the environment's different because there's nice music playing. As they come in, there's actually a little place where they can write prayer requests. This is Secular Copenhagen, and they get prayer requests every day. And out the back, there's a prayer-slash-counseling room, and every week a pastor comes into that shop and helps with the clothes and whatnot and just meets customers. And mm-hmm. in that space of an evening, they can have concerts, they can have seminars, they can what do whatever. It's been so successful that they've now started four other centers in other cities throughout Denmark. Now, they haven't Mm. had 100 baptisms, they haven't planted churches, but they're making connections with people that they wouldn't have made otherwise. And that that one really excites me. Another one that really appeals to me is the Adventist Learning Center in Beirut, Lebanon. Mm. This was started by Alexis, a social worker here in North America. She she just decided oh, I want to be involved in some sort of service and mission so she went to Beirut and she didn't have a plan in in place but like a, mm-hmm. any good social worker she did her research and she spent weeks months just walking around the city blocks talking with people visiting in the homes assessing the need and she discovered that there were thousands of Syrian refugees coming across the border and their children had nowhere to be educated and mm-hmm. so these ch- children are now being educated in the Adventist Learning Center. And in this Learning Center, they're learning about Jesus. They're learning about life's values. They're learning about the Bible. They're learning reading and writing and all these good things. And it's just a beautiful ministry center, which, which I love.
0: It's so cool. I mean, if I'm hearing you right, is doing and Being missional, which is what we're being invited to do through this quarterly, right? There's, there's no one way to do that. That there's just, a, it sounds like a myriad way of opportunities to share Jesus and and just build relationships. I mean, it, it, what, what, this is so great. I love the creativity that's happening.
1: Yes, it's it's wonderful. And and I think you know when I was growing up, you know, you the options before you were being a pastor. A missionary doctor or a missionary nurse or a teacher that would basically be the the options. Right. but we see today how it's so important to have Seventh-day Adventists who are involved in various activities we need motor mechanics who are not just motor mechanics but they're motor mechanics for Jesus so they have a a sphere of influence they're meeting people Michael that you and I will never meet we we, we need Adventist teachers we need Adventist uh, nurses and Adventist doctors, not not just working within the Adventist system, but working in public institutions, because they will have right. a sphere of influence that you and I as pastors will never have. And so those connecting points are so important. we need to We need to tell our church members that that Reformation principle of every member is a minister is so true. And a Seventh-day Adventist giving hospitality to a neighbor is just as important as the evangelist who gets up and preaches an evangelistic series of sermons. Just as important. Different different methodology, but just as important. And we need to tell our church members that they don't have to become something that they're not. If they, they don't have to get up and preach a sermon. It's not a requirement. They Everyone has been given different gifts. And there are so many unsung mission heroes in our churches who are Connecting with their neighbors who are sharing Christ's love in practical ways, and we need to elevate that and and celebrate that and thank them and support them for what they're doing
0: well it it sounds like you know the Bible says that you know if necessary, the rocks would cry out, <laughs> but this is god's bishop and and we're just invited to be a part of that, whatever gifts and talents in opportunities or within our sphere of influence uh to be able to to use those you know opportunities to share the kingdom of god uh, around us and what what a beautiful invitation that is and you know one of the things i really love is not only are we seeing lots of creativity going on but i I think there's a lot of church members they're like well if i if i put that money in the sabbath school offering you know just kind of disappears. I'm 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 supporting some kind of big institution far away that that you know this bureaucracy kind of thing, right? And and if I'm here, you're right. There's actually um, a lot of accountability, a lot of accountability. And and what I like to hear is that you know there's reprioritizing. So, hey, where are the greatest needs? And in urban centers, you know the world is changing and becoming even more urban. And and 10:40 window, you know how can the church's resources reallocate. And that that makes me really proud of our Adventist mission system that we have. It's not perfect. It's not no. perfect, but it is a, it's a it's a great privilege we have to support together what none of us could do by ourselves to help support these kind of creative endeavors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The old mission offering isn't glamorous, and I sometimes jokingly refer for it to as the black hole, but it's the black hole of faith because we put it in there because we know that it's, as you say, there's there's strength in numbers. That we're not doing this alone. We're working with it, and and the Seventh Adventist Church has a very rigorous auditing system. You can mm-hmm. be, you can be sure that that's being looked after. And the other thing is too, you know, when I put money into the mission offering, and I don't get a report on where every single dollar went. You know, a dollar went to build this school. $5 help this church plan. I don't get that report back, but I leave it in God's hands. I'm a member of the 7th Avenue Adventist Church. I support its mission. I do that. Now, on top of that, I give to special projects. I've, obviously, I support Global Mission. I give donations mm-hmm. to Mission because I believe in what we're doing. Yeah. And there are mm-hmm. some good things, but yeah. and I, I think project giving has its place. But let's not forget the underlying that. mission river of support that helps make the projects possible. Yeah.
0: Love it. Final takeaways, Gary. You know, here we've talked to we've got a lesson we're going to be studying for 13 weeks, 13 lessons from these global center directors. What, what do you hope to leave behind? Obviously, this is an invitation to participate in mission in a variety of ways we've talked about, but, but tantalize this just a little bit more of, of what, what do you hope to see in Adventism that will be different at the end of this quarter?
1: One of the things I I hope that we all grow in is an understanding that mission isn't just about sharing information. And and as Adventists, we're very good at that. And as you look at Christ's method of ministry, we're particularly good at the final step, bidding people to follow Jesus. So we've got fuller. We've got uh, Daniel and Revelation seminars. We've got public evangelistic meetings. We've got truth-filled literature. We've got
0: all the charts of the prophecies.
1: We've just got all this information that we'd love to give out with good reason. We want people to know. absolutely. But mission is more than just conveying information. And I think when we look at the high apostasy rate in the Adventist church, for every Mm. 10 people who come in, at least four leave. And so Mm -hmm. for some reason, they're not being bound into the community of faith. Retention. And I think part of that retention problem is that People come in with an intellectual knowledge. I've changed a belief or two, and now I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. But the beauty of Christ's method of ministry, the, the holistic approach, is that it touches my heart, it touches my emotions, it connects with my feelings, it connects with my physical, my, my health, etc. It's a, it's a stronger bonding. It's kind of like mm. Velcro. When you look at Velcro, Velcro under a microscope, it's a series of hooks and loops that stick right. together. And then you pull it apart. Well, if it's just one hook and loop, now I believe in the seventh day Sabbath instead of the first day Sunday, there's not a very strong connection. We need something more than that. So I hope one of the takeaways is that we see mission as much more than just sending a text message with a Bible verse. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Jesus Jesus came down here physically to earth, Mm -hmm. put on his skin. He got his hands dirty. He became one with us. And our mission today must be the same. We need to be connecting with people. It's not good enough to just hand out a piece of literature once once a week. We need to be making friends with our neighbors. We need to be inviting them to, to eat at our table. We need to be making those connections. Relational. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, Adventism's at its best when it's focused on Jesus and following his methods, as I've heard you, you know, say that several different times and. What a, what a great invitation it is. So, uh, Gary, thanks for joining us on this uh, special bonus episode of the Sabbath School Rescue podcast. I, I love that we're going to take this moment. I can't wait for this coming quarterly as we dive in each of the different center directors to be able to be invited to be a part of his mission for, for the plan of salvation, really, that each of us have the privilege and opportunity to participate. So until next time, join us as we're going to be delving in each week. So don't miss out on a single week as we will be looking into the Sabbath quarterly. You've been listening to the Sabbath School uh, Rescue Podcast. This is your co-host, Michael Campbell. And until next week, we'll see you then. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible and be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org for each weekly episode.